forward to coming back. Um, he said we mustn't forget he is here in, our, in, in his heart. We are with him there. And you can keep him in your prayers as well as he ministers today. And it's just such an amazing testimony of a church that has the um, capacity to send other people to go and minister to other churches as we all belong to the greater body. So it's such a privilege. Um, I just want us to quickly close our eyes for a few moments again. I just want to pray again. Father, we thank you, Lord, for what you are busy doing in our midst, Lord. Thank you for who you are, Lord, and thank you for the word that is about to come. And we trust, Lord, that we will hear your word, that we will hear your truth, not man's truth, not man's revelation, but the word of God, which is alive and active. We pray, Lord, that as the word comes, that it will really touch our hearts, that it will really change our hearts to bring us closer to you and likeness to you. And may you get the glory and the honor through it all. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Hello, everyone. So um, I'm not trying to sound like Vanna this morning. My voice is just gone because my kids had interschools this weekend. So I apologize. Uh, it does sound a bit better now than I think it did the first service. Um, but yeah, the, the primary school thought it well to split the, the interschools into two days during uh, storm and rain on a Friday, so we, we had to endure, um, but it was all worth it. And then obviously shouting there and shouting through the Springboks game and then shouting the Saturday morning at my older child's, older boys' um, uh, interschools as well. But uh, praise God, you can still hear me and we are still together. Amen. <laughs> so this morning I want to share on something that is really close to my heart, um, pun intended, but I want you, before I share what's on my heart, I want you to share what's on your heart. So maybe just turn to someone next to you that you know, preferably, and just share something that is really close to your heart. Something that your heart beats for, that your heart breaks for. Something that you hold in high regard in your heart. Just share it with someone quickly. You're not allowed to say the spring box. All right. There's obviously a reason that I asked you to do that, but we'll get to the reason later. For now, I want us to read Scripture. <laughs> I'm going to read for us from Psalm 24. Psalm 24 from verse 1, it says, The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For He has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in His holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Now, Although the context of this psalm is not very clear, many scholars believe it to be one of the psalms David wrote as the Ark of the Covenant was carried into Jerusalem. So it's very much a psalm of celebration, a psalm of joy, a declaration of victory. But also we see with this psalm, it declares the Lord's sovereignty as it starts out with. And then with that, we also read 
something interesting. We find the requirements and we find characteristics and consequences for those truly seeking to enter into the Lord's presence in worship. Now, what stood out for me is clean hands and a pure heart. And when we look at that part, clean hands, that clean actually can be translated. The Hebrew word directly translates it to the word innocent. So when we read the word clean hands, we actually um, read it's something that refers to those who acted innocently to others. And pure heart is a heart cleansed with unworthy motives. A heart that's not full of self, but a heart that glorifies God. And that part where it says ascending the hill, that is actually the same word in Hebrew where God called Moses, where he said go up to the mountain. That go up is ascending the hill. Go up to Mount Sinai where he was in the Lord's presence and where he worshipped him. And that literally translates to ascending God's holy hill by righteous, by God. Uh, Ascending God's holy hill by the righteous. Now, last week when we heard about righteousness, Pastor Andres summarized righteousness so powerfully as being a state that is approved by God. Righteousness is being a state that is approved by God. Now, when we look at clean hands and a pure heart, the hands are the outward expression and they refer to our actions. And the heart is inward, is what's going on in here. It's how we think, it's our attitude, it's our beliefs, our thoughts. And ascending the hills, how we worship the Lord in His presence. Now, in this world, our hearts portray our thoughts and our actions. What's going on inside our hearts, what's going on in here, will eventually end up there. And I want us to think about that because it's quite a powerful thing thing if you think about it. Because we read in Matthew, and this is shortly after Jesus did a healing on the Sabbath. He healed a blind blind man, and then after that, he also um, delivered a demon-possessed man. And as he was doing this, the Pharisees approached him. And they rejected his healings. But more than that, they did not only reject his healings. They also said that he who cast out these demons, Jesus, cast them out by the devil himself. Look at Jesus' reply in Matthew 12. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or make the tree bad and its fruit bad. For the tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers... How can you speak good when you are evil? For out of the abundance of your heart, the mouth speaks. The good person out of his good treasure brings forth good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure brings forth evil. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. When we read this scripture and many others like it, it's evident to see that the hardened heart of the Pharisees was displayed in the way that they behaved, in the way that they acted towards Jesus, in the way that they displayed their beliefs and their attitudes, and in their character. Jesus did not have to spend a very long time in their presence to know that they had hard hearts. And so to us today, it's so relevant for us, you and I, we do not have to spend a very long time in a negative or pessimistic thinking person's presence to know that they are negative or pessimistic. 
Many times we queue in line at the bank where we're really being tested. Or you're standing next to the sports field and you can immediately pick up by the way people reason, by the way people think, where their hearts are at, where their hearts are rooted at. And this really got me to think, if someone were to spend five minutes in my presence, five or ten minutes in my presence for the first time, they've never met me before. And you can think about this for yourself as well. If someone were to spend five minutes in my presence and they meet me for the first time, what would they see? What would they perceive? Would they see a Christian? Or would they see the love of Christ in me? Would they see someone that is polite? Someone that is friendly? Or would they actually see someone aiming for a life of holiness and purity and obedience to Christ? I want us to zoom in on this, this image, this concept of clean hands and a pure heart. And how it is applicable to our worship. Now, Worship is the way we conduct our days, our lives, how we live our life. We live lives of worship. How does clean hands and pure hearts affect the way that we live? Now, the obvious first observation is, when we look at this, is that the work of our hands, they are direct results from what's going on in the condition of our hearts, where the condition of our hearts are at. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in the holy place? He who has a clean hand, who has clean hands and a pure heart. Our external actions and expressions, the way we conduct ourselves in this world, how we live, it springs forth from an internal root, from an internal source rooted in something that we value deep. That is why I asked earlier, what is something that you hold in high regard? What is something that is really close to your heart? What does your heart beat for? What does your heart break for? How does that affect the way that you speak about this? How does that affect the way that you act around others when that comes up? See, in, in sales, and I come from a, from a sales background. I was in sales for quite a while, and they used to use this analogy quite often. Some of you have probably heard it. If you squeeze an orange, what would come out of it? Would it be apple juice? Would it be grape juice? You see, when, when pressure is applied, when the heat is turned up, when, when we are pushed into an area where we need to, to make a choice or uh, give an opinion, what truly is inside of us will come out. Who shall stand in the holy place? Who can worship the Lord? He who has clean hands and a pure heart. Proverbs 4.23 so powerfully challenges us, but also encourages us. It says, keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it springs the issues of life. In the ESV translation, it says, um, vigilance. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for out of it springs the issues of life. If we continue to read in Matthew, we again find him at another encounter with the Pharisees. And he's speaking to them in Matthew 15. And it says this, This people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, 
teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart. And this defiles a person. For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, slander. These are what defiles a person. Now, if you go and read that whole scripture, you'll obviously get more context. But Jesus, so powerfully in this situation, quotes Old Testament scripture, and he quotes Isaiah 29, because the Pharisees themselves go against the very law they so religiously profess day and night. They contradict themselves. They are hypocrites, and because of that, Jesus disregards their worship. That is what the scripture tells us, because their words and their hearts do not align. Now, I don't know about you, but I would never in my life want to be in a situation where my worship is rejected. Are we vigilant and are we careful about what comes out of our hearts? Are we diligent in looking after the conditions of our hearts? If we continue to read in Scripture, it's so evident to see that when we find that clean hands and pure hearts, if that is something that we truly aspire to, you'll see it's not something that happens overnight. It's not an instantaneous thing. It's a process which requires obedience, and it's a process that requires sacrifice from us. Psalm 24, 4, He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false, and does not swear deceitfully. It takes a changing of mind. It takes a changing of attitude and perception. Romans 12, from verse 1 to 2, I love Romans 12 from verse 1 to 2. It, for some reason, it makes its way to so many Sunday sermons. It's such a profound verse, a profound scripture of just reiterating the importance of a heart turned away from man, turned away from this world, and a heart and a life postured towards the things that please the Lord, to a heart and a, and a mind that is postured towards Christ. And it cannot be echoed enough. We read again in Romans 12, verse 1 to 2, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by the testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. If we want to worship the Lord, not as hypocrites, but as true followers of Christ, we have to change the way we think. We have to change the way we reason, and we have to change the way we believe. We have to turn from wrongful and deceitful beliefs and values that the world teaches us, and we have to let go of the idols that ensnare us in our lives. Now, I don't have to ask examples. We we know what is right and wrong in our lives. Some of us more than others, but we know what is wrong in our lives. When the world says hate, we should choose love. When the world tells us to take revenge, 
we say forgive. And if the world tells us to take the easy way out, take the shortcut, we faithfully trust the Lord in that situation and we say endure. Obedience and sacrifice leads to clean hands and a pure heart. But the wonderful thing is, it pleases the Lord. To have clean hands and a pure heart is not something in vain. Scripture promises us, it tells us that it leads to a blessing and it leads to the righteousness in God. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, he will receive a blessing from the Lord and the righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God of Jacob. Last week, Pastor Andres, he shared about righteousness, and I summarized it earlier, but he so powerfully alluded to this fact that righteousness is represented by a life of integrity and purity and correctness in thought and in action and the way we feel. In other words, as we said earlier, being in a state that is approved by God. That is something I so desperately desire in my life. And I'm sure all of us sitting here want that for our, for our lives. A clean hand and a pure heart requires a living relationship with the Lord where we truly seek His face, where we truly seek His counsel through the good and the bad. As this powerful word came this morning, in our trials, in our tribulation, in our sufferings, in this river of fire that we are going through, we can hold fast and we can have faith because Jesus Christ has paid the ultimate price so that we do not have to. Such is the generation of those who seek Him, who seek the face of God of Jacob. Just like Jacob in the Old Testament wrestled through his problem, how the Lord came and he received his blessing after that. So too, we are called to wrestle through difficult times, to wrestle through challenges in life with the Lord. The Lord wants us to come to him with everything that we have in us. Not just the good, but the challenging and the bad, the bad stuff. A wise man once told me that when you wrestle with God, you will lose. You will lose. But you will win. Romans 3 verse 10 tells us, as it is written, there is none righteous, not one. But it continues in verse 20, 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law, although the law and the prophets bear witness to it. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believes. The righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believes. None of us sitting in this room will ever meet God's standard of perfection. Died for us on the cross. That is why He paid the ultimate price, so that we do not have to. He paid for our sins. He took our transgressions upon Himself. He was perfect. And we receive God's righteousness through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, this does not make perfection or good works a prerequisite for our salvation. That's not what I'm saying. On the contrary, what Scripture is highlighting to all of us is that our hands 
the external part of our lives and our hearts, the internal thoughts and feelings and attitudes of our lives. It's underlining the fact that our hands and our hearts should be postured towards Christ, postured towards the cross and not to the things of this world. And he will receive a blessing from the Lord and the righteousness of God of his salvation. That life of integrity, purity, correctness of thinking, feeling, and acting. A life that is a state approved by God. That is what awaits us. That is our blessing. And that is the blessing this world so desperately needs. And we can come to the Father and we can ask Him for that. We can ask the Lord for clean hands and a pure heart. That was the Lord's plan for us all along. We read in Ezekiel 36 from verse 26 to 27. And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit and I will put it within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. Now the Lord does not only have the ability to soften the hardest of hearts, to change them, to make them teachable and malleable, formable for the working of His Holy Spirit to manifest in our hearts. But His Spirit changes our wills and our spirits to walk out our faith journeys on this earth. Even David, after committing this great sin with Bathsheba, prayed along this line. In Psalm 51, we read, he prays, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. In verse 17, he says, The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, you will not despise. The Lord wants us to come to Him with our brokenness. The Lord wants us to bring our hearts before Him. And as I'm speaking here and as we're sitting here, I'm trusting and I'm, I know the Lord wants to touch hearts today. The Lord wants to come and mend hearts today. He wants to come and mend the nets. He wants to come and heal. He wants to come and fill. He wants to come and restore. He wants to come and make hearts complete today. Restoring them back to purity. And as our hearts begin to change, our spirits are renewed and our lives start to change. And I get really excited about that when I see a life change, when I see a heart given to the Lord and how that life changes. In John 4, it's the account of the Samaritan woman. And by now, you, most of us would really know it well. It's just so much, so much depth in that. In that chapter. But what really stood out for me was from verse 39 to 42 when it comes to this concept of a changed heart. We read after the Lord has spoken to the Samaritan woman, we see she was never the same again. Scripture tells us from verse 39, many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of his word. And many said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believed. For we have heard ourselves, and we know 
that this is indeed the Savior of the world. An encounter with Jesus changes your life forever. Forever. A heart bowing down to the Lord in worship, inviting Him in to become Lord, changes forever. There's a worldly concept, and many of you would have heard it, where it says, I was wrecked by the Lord. We've heard it before. I use it sometimes, but I like to follow it up and say, but then the Lord completed me. He healed me. He restored me. He renewed in me a heart. In 2 Corinthians 5 or 17, we read, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. A heart that bows down to the Lord is a changed heart. It's a changed life. And I want us all, if we can stand this morning, while we stand, I want us to close our eyes. And I'm going to ask a few facilitators to come to the front as well. I truly believe the Lord wants to touch hearts this morning and He wants to come and mend hearts. He wants to come and heal hearts and He wants to come and restore hearts. He wants to come and change us. Just like He changed the Samaritan woman, as was evident by her testimony and the testimony of so many others after her. We come to the Lord and we allow Him to come and work in our hearts. We change forever. So while all our eyes are closed, for a few moments, I really want us to trust the Lord, to be vulnerable before Him, and to allow Him to come and work in our hearts. And after that, I'm going to give opportunity to respond. I want to encourage each person here today. The Lord is here. He's in this place. And He wants to touch your life. He wants to heal. He wants to restore. If there's anyone in this place today that has never bowed their hearts before the Lord, never said, Lord, I want to make you Lord and Savior of my life. And you want to make that decision today, which is the best decision you will ever make on this earth. If that is you today, The Lord is calling you. Come to Him. Come to Him. Then the second invitation I want to make this morning is for us to ask the Lord to help us to surrender our hearts to Him. To surrender the conditions of our hearts to Him and to allow His Holy Spirit to come and change us. Lord, help us this morning so that the abundance of our hearts will be filled with the things that please you so that what comes out of our mouths will be a true reflection of a heart surrendered to God, a heart close to God and a heart not far from God. If that is you this morning and you want that heart, I want you to trust the Lord. Come to the front so that someone can trust with you, to pray with you. For the rest of us remaining in our seats, I want us to remain prayerful for for what is going on in this place because the Lord is truly busy changing people's lives. You're welcome to come to the front. If that is you, someone's going to pray with you. We're just going to continue in the Lord's presence. 
maybe there's someone here this morning that has a lot of anger, a lot of doubt, or a lot of unforgiveness in their hearts. And that is consuming your heart. And you're smiling, but the cracks are there. And it's evident what's going on in your heart is coming today. Trust Him. Trust Him. Let's just respond to the Lord this morning. facilitators to the front please if you are able to pray with someone please What is the Lord saying to you this morning? What is He showing to you this morning? What are in our hearts? What are we carrying into this world? Father, help us to surrender our hearts to you this morning. Lord, we want to be filled with your things, with your truth, with your love, with your peace, with your joy, with reverent worship unto you. Help us to reach that place, Lord. Help us to surrender the things that are not supposed to be in our hearts to you. Come and fill us. Come and fill us with your spirit this morning. I believe there's still many The Lord is calling. He wants you to respond. Trust Him this morning. Trust Him for the healing. Just as He restored Peter on that beach. Changed forever. Went on to change the world forever. Father, we thank you 
that you are the God who changes lives. You are the God who changes hearts. Thank you because of what you have done for us, Lord. We can walk out this faith journey, no matter how difficult it is sometimes, knowing that you see us, knowing that you are with us, knowing that you are not distant, knowing that you help us to choose the right way, that your love for us carries us through that. I pray, Lord, this morning that you will help us, that in our hearts, Father, I pray that it will continue to grow. That it will not be something that we only receive here and reserve for here and then it goes away and it dwindles away as we leave this place. But I pray that it will be something that grows, that it will be something that burns, that consumes us more and more, will consume our hearts, Father. And that we will carry it into this world which so desperately needs your love, which so desperately needs your truth. Help us, Lord. Help us to continuously come to this place where we check our hearts and make sure everything is in order. And we ask the maker, the author and the finisher, to just come and correct again so that we can continue. Father, we give you the glory and the praise this morning. You alone we long to worship. You alone are worthy of our praise. And we praise you, Jesus. Amen. there's been this call for us to be vulnerable and allow the Lord to do a deep work in our hearts. I want to share that after (laughs) attending the encounter uh, course, the last two courses, how God has done the deepest and most wonderful work in my heart. And I want to just, it's never too late. I'm, I've been serving the Lord and have known the Lord since a young, some time.